All right, good. I want to recognize. There's always a lot of, you're all good people. You're all very good looking people in the church this morning. The best ones showed up to church. But I got to tell you, there's one shining star that's better than the rest of us here. Andrew and Sarah, we want to congratulate you guys on your newest one right here. Um, two weekends ago, well, one week ago, it was like Thursday, right? Friday, 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 a week ago Friday, they had welcome a new baby girl to the world. Congratulations, guys. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to go to the message this morning, and uh, I, I'm going to continue with the series that, um, um, about it's time to see. How many pe- people can say that with me? It's time to see. It's time to see. So uh, last week, um, uh, I... I challenge, and I finish with one point, that uh, after, after, after talking about five different types of dreams, or type, different types of dreamers, those who have no dream, those who have a vague dream, those who have the wrong kind of dream, you know, and we talked about these kind of places, and, I, and, and I'm encouraging you this morning that it's time to see, and it's time to dream again, to see beyond the reality that you're living in right now. And that's the spirit of prophecy. You see, the Bible says the spirit of prophecy, come, the spirit of prophecy comes to show us um, um, to be able to see with the eyes of faith. You see, life goes on. But how many know that beyond what's in front of us, beyond what's going on with us, there's something bigger. There's something better. There's something great. And the, and the dream that we want to have in our lives is that it's a God-honoring, culture-defying, heaven-impacting, seemingly impossible dream. And so uh, that was the challenge last week. But my question is, is like, how do we get there? How do we get there? You know, it's like I get that. I, 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 I want to be God-honoring in the way that I live for the Lord. Everything I, I, I have in my life has meaning. My life is not without a purpose. I go to work with purpose. I do the things I do with purpose. I parent with purpose. I spend my money with purpose. I do everything I want to do with purpose. And what I want to do with my life is that I want to honor God. I want at the end of my life to say, hey, he honored God with everything he did. And you cannot do that by going with the wave of the culture. When culture is going a certain way, we're going to go God culture, if you would. Bible culture. So not not letting the world define uh, how we interpret the Bible. See, that happens a lot. Where we, we, when you go with culture, you can take what culture is going or what you want to do and take the Bible, manipulate it to suit what you want. And I tell you, you could do that because the Bible is a big book. I'm waiting for you guys to catch on. But we want the word of the Lord to shape our philosophies. Not us telling the word of the Lord what we want it to say. Our philosophies have to be shaped by God's word. You know, uh, John, the revelator, calls it the book of the prophecy. And, and, uh, and ultimately, uh, and I'm giving you a preface to what we're going to talk about this morning. Ultimately, if we're going to dream like God dreams, if we're going to have the right kind of dream, is that everything we do should result in many people getting saved in our lifetime. But the way we live 
by what the people are getting saved. That they are getting pulled out of darkness into God's marvelous light. That they are getting pulled out of the um, bondage into freedom. That they are getting pulled out of hell into heaven's gates. Can I get an amen? So I want to take a story with you in 2 Kings chapter 3. And I'm going to draw about four things with you this morning from that story. That's going to help us to have that God dream. My prayer is that you will be inspired to dream again. That my prayer is that you'll be inspired to live for God. That you'll you'll be so on fire for God that you live out of this place starting a new life if you haven't already. Or having the Lord light up a fire inside of you. Because we are people that ought to be living. You see, it says that we, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So we, we ought to be people that, uh, that live a spirit-filled life and we are led by the Spirit of God. Amen? So this story uh, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 3, uh, I'm going to start in verse 9. Um, let me give you a backstory. These are three kings that are going into battle together. Actually, it was the king of Israel at the time and the king of Judah. Now, there was a time of history where there was a time period where Israel was divided into two kingdoms. There was the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. Uh, and they didn't always go the right way. Sometimes, and Israel often would rebel against God. And so, so, so uh, it was a time of transition for Israel. And what had happened, I'm trying to put it in modern day words so we can, we can connect with the story. So one king had died in Israel, okay, just to get the story straight. One king had died, and there was a contract, there was a treaty, there was an agreement that was going on between Israel and another kingdom. And this kingdom uh, that um, um, uh, was paying Israel a certain amount of money, let me just, uh, loosely money, it was something to do with uh, animals, rams, and, you know, let's just say money, right? They're supposed to give Israel a certain amount of money. But when Israel's king died, this kingdom decided to default on the treaty. He said, forget you guys. This was with the other guy. I'm not going to pay you nothing. That's not proper English. It sounds better. <laughs> and so the king of Israel says, who do you think you are? You've got to keep your word. And so we're going to come and get what is, we deserve. And so the king of Israel, I'm giving you a backstory and then we can read it. I think it'll make a lot more sense when you know the backstory. Does, is it helping a little bit? Am I explaining better? The king of Israel so calls on Judah and says, hey, need your help. There's a guy that's giving us a lot of trouble. I'm going to show him that we are truly Israel. Can you, would you watch my back? Would you come fight with me? Judah's king, Jehoshaphat, says, hey, you got me. I mean, and so, so anyway, this is the story. And then along the way, they picked up another king. So three kings are going to fight to go in to help Israel out out of money that they believe is owed to them. You got it? Does it sound like these days too? No wonder Ecclesiastes says that there is nothing new under the sun. The methods might be different, but people are people. Same problems, same sins, so everything is the same. So don't get all caught up. It's like, oh, we live in the 21st century. We are unique. No, we're not. No, we are not. It's always the same problems. Did you at least, did I give you enough time to find it? Second Kings. The story goes on. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After around about much for seven days, the army had not 
more water for themselves or for the animals with them. I, I thought it was kind of funny. They went seven days. I think they're kind of moving along. You know how you can live life your own way or something worked for somebody else and you kind of think that, hey, because it worked that way for, for somebody else, it's going to work out. You know, remember Joshua? He went seven days uh, around the, the Jericho and the walls came crumbling down. I don't know if it was one of those. And, and, and sometimes I've found that as Christians, we would find we will not get our word from God for ourselves. And we will see something that God had done for somebody else and try to live off of that word. I'm telling you, New Testament people, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and God wants to speak to us. He wants to give us a word for ourselves. So they get to going seven days and they find out that they have no water. They have no water left and they realize that they are in trouble. Due to Houston, we got a problem. You go through life, things are going on, okay, you got a mission, you're on the go, and you hit a roadblock and you realize, I am messed up. I don't know how we got ourselves in here. What? The king of Israel exclaimed. I think he probably exclaimed better. He would say, what? No water? You gotta have fun with the Bible, people. And the one king, always the pessimist in the crowd, as the Lord called us all things here together, only to deliver us into the hand of the Moabites, of the mobs. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here? Is there anybody that sees beyond the present reality? Is there anybody that has the word of the Lord in them. Say thank God for Jehoshaphat. We need some of those in our lives, right? Is there no prophet among us that can inquire from the Lord? And one of the officers came up and said, Hey, 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 I know somebody. This guy called Elisha. You know the guy called Elisha? He used to hang out. He used to work in the ministry with Elijah, the great prophet that never died. He's got some anointing. Remember Elisha is the guy that asked for double portion of the anointing. We think Elijah was anointed and he was anointed. The guy that <laughs> some of his miracles were absolutely insane. And the Lord, when he, the Lord took him up to heaven, Elisha asked the Lord, Hey, you know my master Elijah, I love the anointing in his life. I, I don't want just what he had. I want a double portion. He says, I know Elisha is still around. Let's go talk to Elisha, he says. And Jehoshaphat says, oh yeah, duh. Why not think about that? That guy's got the word of God in him. This is my own version. He's got the word of God in him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, verse 12, went down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you involve me at all? Why do you even want me here? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Pause, 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 pause. These two kings, the king of Edom and the king of Israel, were ungodly people. I talk about culture defying. 
They were not culture defying. They were all in. You see, in verse 1, you can read it later. It talks about <laughs> the king of Israel, Ahaz. He says, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Not as bad as his parents. His parents were worse. But at least he tore down some idols. But nonetheless, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. So, so Elisha, you could tell, was not very happy with this king. And he says, you guys are living the way you want. And then you want to call for the blessing of God? You go worship idols and blatantly break the law's law. And then you, on the sense, I say, oh, God, I want to hear from you. Help me hear God. But I got this on this side. Just don't, don't, don't speak to me. I don't want to hear your word on this. I want to do my way. But he goes, I tell you, people. So you can tell it wasn't as nice here. So go to your mothers, so your prophets of your mother. You know what he's saying? He said, go to all your idol gods. See if they can help you. But he says, you're very, very lucky, people, because I have a lot of respect for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. If it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I mean, say, thank God for Jehoshaphat's in our lives. I wouldn't be giving you the time of day. So, Elisha said, I surely, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would have paid no attention to you. And then he says, but here's, I'm going to help you though. But here's what I want you to do. Go bring me a harpist. And he says, while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and for your cattle and other animals. But this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over Moab. Oh man, I feel like I'm prophesying to some of you right now. In front, it looks like it's dry. I'm dead meat. And I'm going nowhere. But the Lord's saying to you, it's not going to be the way you see it naturally. He says, you won't be see. You won't see anything naturally. You won't see any wind or, 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 or anything like that. But I tell you, as surely as the Lord lives, this is what he says, this valley will be filled with water. And, and, and let me tell you, if you think that's an, an incredible miracle, that's something very small for the Lord. For there are things that are impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. Four thoughts that I want to bring to you there. First, verse 11. Take a note of verse 11. Jehoshaphat asked, Is there any prophet of the Lord here through whom we can inquire of the Lord? Guys need water. They're not looking. He didn't ask for any drinking fountain, or any bathroom around here, any faucet, any hose around here that we can tap into. No, no, no. They need water. But he says, is there any prophet? Point number one. God's dream, God dreams are always connected to a spiritual battle. God dreams are always connected to a spiritual battle. 
The thing that's going on in life is very, very practical, very, very natural. They're needing a practical solution to the problem. They're toast. They know it. They know if they were to fight face the enemy and they're dehydrated themselves, they are dead. They can see the present reality. And what they ask is not a faucet. Is their prophet. I love what he says. I believe that everything, every problem in America and, and even in our own lives, in our homes, in our jobs, things that we are facing in our lives, that there is a spiritual battle behind it. That's why Ephesians says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers. There, there is a spiritual battle going on in your life. Make no mistake, sometimes it's something very simple and it's a practical solution. But why would there be a spiritual battle? Because the enemy wants your time sometimes. The enemy wants your occupation. The enemy wants your mind to be preoccupied with what's going on. If he can distract you, then at least he's distracted you and you're off focus. So there's always a spiritual thing going on. And so when you hit that roadblock, you've got to ask yourself, is there a prophet? Is there a word of the Lord? Lord, can I see beyond this present circumstance? Can you help me see beyond what I'm seeing now? Is there something greater? Are there forces in the darkness that want to distract me? And me fighting the wrong people. When I should have been fighting on my knees. When I should have been calling on the name of the Lord. When I should have been pulling down strongholds for the weapons of our warfare are not canon. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Every problem in the practical, in the natural, there is a battle that must be fought. On the spiritual, and thank God for Jehoshaphat that brought some senses because these guys would have probably drafted something and did something that the Lord would have not had them do. All along, God had a plan for them. All along, God had a plan for them. Your situation that you're going through in your life right now, God has a plan. God has a plan. For your finances. God has a plan for your health. God has a plan for your career. God has a plan for your children. And if you want to know about God's plan. He says I know the plans that I have concerning you. They are plans for good. Not to harm you. To give you a future and a hope. So when I know God has a plan. I know his plan is good. For God is good. And all the time. God's got a plan. And his plans are always good for us. He doesn't say that the road. Is always going to be easy. But these plans are good for our lives. And I want that plan. I want God to give him the eyes to see. When I hit a roadblock, I feel the water's going. I'm going to die of dehydration here. God, what are you trying to show me? What's your plan? And I can be confident in knowing that he is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his plans for my life are good. They are not bad. They are not to harm me. They are plans to give me a future and a, a prosperous future, says the Lord. Is there a prophet? Is there a prophet in the house? In other words, is the Lord speaking? We want to hear the word of the Lord. Not just what we do, the word of the Lord. Should I move? Should I change that job? What is the Lord saying? Should I move out of town? What is the Lord saying? Should we go attack? What is the Lord saying? Thank God for Jehoshaphat. Is there a prophet? And Elisha was right living in their generation, and they had no idea. Because they are just going about their lives as normal. 
Trust me, there are some Elishas in your life. Ask the Lord to give you the discernment, the eyes to see, so you can get the word of the Lord. Just quit doing things on your own. The Lord wants to lead you and he leads you in a path that is good, in a path that is great, is a path that will prosper you. Secondly, see, I'm going really good. I'm doing really good so far. I'm already at two or four, so I'm improving here. Go to verse 14. Now, Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would have paid no attention to you guys. You are just so lucky. Thank God for Jehoshaphat. Let me, let me just kind of, a side note, this is a bonus one. It's free. Your company is so important. The people you hang around with is so important. The people that you let in in your circle is so important. Ahaz, the king of Israel, was an ungodly person. He was destined for to be tossed. God didn't care because he was living for himself. But he called on a godly man. He called on. He's, he's connected to people that are serving the Lord. He says, Jehoshaphat, I'm about to go to battle. Could you, could you, could you help me out? And if he had called some other random king that did not have the desire to say, hey, let's pray about this. Let's not move so fast. Let's find out what the Lord is. He keeping good company. Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not receive counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the ways of sinner, nor sit in the way of the scornful. His delight is in the name of the Lord and in his righteousness. He lives day in righteousness. It is day and night. I'm mixing a couple ones here. He shall be like a river, a tree that's planted by the rivers of waters, who who bears fruit in his season, whose leaves will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. In the right season, they bear fruit. Why? They are in the company of the godly company of the godly. So this guy connected himself. That, it's a bonus, guys. I'm not done with number two. So actually, I'm just started. So let me keep reading. But now, bring me a harpist. Bring me a harpist. I'm going to help you guys out. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord what it is that he has going. But get me someone. Change your playlist. I want some worship music going on around here. And he says, while the music, while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah. Second point. God's dreams are birthed in God's presence. God's dreams are birthed in God's presence. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And Elisha began to prophesy and says, this is what the Lord God says. And he begins to give him a word. 
Those plans are not because you sat down. I know last week I talked about writing them. But you write and make it plain what the Lord said. The God dreams are not because I was so diligent that I wrote everything down. No, it's that I wrote down what the Lord says. See, Habakkuk says here, this word, this vision that the Lord has, that's what you write down. Because people, there is no substitute for God's presence. There are a lot of things you can substitute, but not time with God. Not time with God. And we get so busy, myself included. Life keeps rolling around, weeks keeps rolling around, from one kid's practice to another, from one sporting event to another, from one this thing or that. And our demand for our time is incredible. And we get so busy. And sometimes, we, sometimes or oftentimes, we will compromise. That we will we would, um, find ourselves not spending time with God at all. We're so busy. Too busy, let me say. Too busy that we don't spend time with God. Because when we spend time with God, that's that's, that's the place where we hear. That's the place where the visions are born. That's the place where the word is born. That's the place where the anointing is. Elisha was so in tune with God. He was a prolific prophet. But even at that moment, he didn't even dare give a word before he had had some time of connecting with the Spirit of God. And as he worshipped the Lord, something in his spirit started bubbling up. As he was spending time with God, as the harp was being played, he's, who knows, singing a prophetic song. Who knows what he was doing in the Lord's presence? The word of the Lord became so clear and he could see beyond the water. He could see beyond the dry. He says, you will see no water. You will see no, no wind or anything. But I guarantee you, as the law says, that this valley will be filled with pools of water. You can't say it with that confidence if you haven't been with Jesus. I love another verse in the New Testament. I can't, quote, I can't cite it right now. But it talks about how people were perceived that they had been with Jesus. I picture Grandma Stan. I'm going to pick on you a little bit. She gets on her keyboard. And Grandpa was still alive too. And just playing, out of nowhere, just beautiful music. But she's in with the Lord. And it was always funny. Grandpa sitting out in his rocking chair or just piping. And the two together will just kind of go in unison. And the presence, the room, you're talking about random things. And all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord is in that room. One of the songs, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his love. I can hear. The rush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And the power, the moment 
And I never met a couple when together as a couple, they were so prophetic together. But they flowed in worship together. It was such harmony out of nowhere. And that in his presence is where the Lord speaks. And folks, there is absolutely no substitute for that. We can be so creative. We can study all we want to study. We can be innovative. We can be on the edge about anything. But there is no, there is no substitute for stand, spending time with God. And I'm too busy. I have eight kids. Well, then get up early. I tell myself that. <laughs> and I'm too tired. Go to bed early. But McGregor and Mayweather were fighting the fight. Of, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was, I heard that it was a good fight. I got to watch the, the replay. You know, go to bed early. And you know you could go down the le- list. And there are legitimate reasons why we don't have time. To spend with God. Well, illegitimate, illegitimate reasons, I should say. But we could go down the pipe and have every excuse under the sun. We could have the choir sing so beautifully here. But unless we connect with him, it means nothing. We could have the best Christian artists come in and play here. But if we are not worshiping for ourselves, nothing. We could be tied up to the best movement ever seen since Jesus left. But if we're not connected up here, nothing. There is no substitute for that. But God's not speaking to me. I don't hear. He speaks to other people. He doesn't speak to me. No, he does. He does speak to you. God's speaking. God was speaking nonetheless. God had a word for those three kings. He did. But had they not taken the time to look for it, to inquire? I like what he said. Is there no prophet of the Lord that we can inquire of the Lord through him? If they hadn't taken time to inquire of the Lord, they would have never heard. But yet God had a plan. How many times? He tells me, how many times do we miss out completely? Only because we didn't take the time to spend with God. He speaks to us. He's speaking all the time. But there are many, many other competing voices. Too many, if I may say, competing voices. And if we're going to hear from God, then we must learn how to turn off the competing voices. And I've found in my life and probably in a lot of people's life in these days, many of those voices are digital. I got 10,000 apps. I have 10,000 versions on my app. I could even leave the Swahili Bible on my app. And you turn off the app, and before you turn off the Bible app, you see, oh, oh what have I got on Twitter? What have I got on Facebook? What have I got in that? Oh, I got that. Yeah, 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 yeah. oh what was the score last night? Who won? Who lost? Blah, 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 yeah. And before we are, one pastor calls it the weapons of mass destruction. You go with the right intention. And before you know it, you're off the road and you're not connecting with God. And when I go, I find myself sometimes like, man, I'm, I haven't really heard something. I haven't really been inspired. 
by God. If I go three days, I know, Houston, we got a problem. We've got to do something. I don't go that long until the Lord has, if the Lord hasn't inspired me with something, because I know it's not him, it's me. That's a big breakup line, right? It's not him, it's me. It's always me. It's always me. It's never him. So I got to think, what's going on, God? What's going on? And you know what I've learned to do in those things? If I'm in my office at home or at work, I got off the computer, I got off the desk, I take my good old paper Bible. Tell you what, even preaching, I bring it, even though I'm not using it. Because if God inspires me to Christ, I'm flexible. I prepared for a message that the Lord, I felt the Lord had given me. But I'm ready during that worship if he tells me, pull up that Bible, no notes. What you say I will do? I'll take my paper Bible and my pen and my notebook and get off the desk. I'll go to a different place. I'll go to a different place. I'll sit down. I'll lay down on the floor. I've done that a lot. If I have to, sometimes I'll even get out of town just for a day, go to a cabin. No phones, nothing. I'm saying you have to do that. But it's the point of you got to find, and I'm not going to quit praying. I'm not going to, some of you is like, give me a harpist. What's on your playlist? Maybe you need some worship music and some praise music on your play, playlist. Shutting down all the other ones and let the harpist play. Let the worship music saturate your mind and your heart, getting you out. I'm like, I'm not leaving until I've been inspired by something. I don't quit reading. I don't quit praying. I don't quit listening to random worship music over and over again until God has inspired my spirit with something. And I'm like, I felt something. Then I'm good. You've got to fight for it. Because there is no substitute for the presence of God. You cannot change. You can't replace it with anything. And you cannot live off of somebody else's experience. You have to have your own experience. And tell you what. God wants you to have that experience. He is no a respecter of persons. You will seek me and you will find me, the Bible says, if you seek me with all your heart. His dreams are birthed in his presence. Third one, look at verse 24, which we didn't read. I just didn't have time to read too much. We could have been here till 2 o'clock and some of you would have hated me for that. So say thank you, Pastor Saul. But a, a little bit ahead, they did fight, they did win. And what the Lord has said did happen. Okay, verse 24 says, but when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and they fought them until they fled. Third point is this. God dreams must move from the realm of inspiration to participation. God's inspiring you, right? He's challenging you, right? He's speaking to you, right? But at that one point, it's going to move from inspiration to participation. When we started praying for Texas and the people there, and I do this all the time, because your prayers, your heartfelt prayers, are just as good and important to God and my prayer. So 
We have to be participants. We're not spectating here. Our worship is not a show, as you, if you haven't known that. No, they're helping us sing because they have better voices than the rest of us. But we all are worshiping the king. We all are praising the king. We all are praying to the Lord. We are all calling on his name. And we have to get in the game. And when they were attacked, they rose up. They didn't sleep because the Lord says you'll get a victory. They didn't lay down and do nothing. They got up. At one point, you got to got up and do something. You know, have you ever noticed that with God? Well, the guy that, uh, that Jesus heals, or when Jesus goes in and heals, so says, stretch out your hand. The blind man, he goes, well, well go, go, go wash your face. Go wash your eyes at the river. When you're feeding the 5,000, say, hey, have them sit around in groups. There is emotion from that inspiration that God has spoken to some action because faith without works is dead. And that's because faith is active. Faith moves. Faith can't take a seat. It has to move. It has to move forward. At some point, you have to start acting upon the word of the Lord. Because we are not to be just hearers of the word. The Bible encourages us to be doers of the word also. Some of you are like, hey, pastor, you know, that's all I've been doing. You know, I feel like I've been doing everything that I need to do and still nothing is going. That's all I've been doing, doing stuff. Well, I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to be a cheerleader for you. Keep on doing it. Keep on preaching, reaching people. Keep on loving people. Keep on preaching to them. Keep on inviting them to church. Keep on loving them. Keep on serving. Keep Keep on keeping on. Keep on doing the right thing because it's coming. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessings if we do not give up. Don't give up on doing good. Oh, it hasn't been working. I've been going at it for a long time. Keep on doing the right thing, the Bible says. Keep on doing it. Don't, at just the right time, you will reap a blessing, the Bible says, if you don't give up. My last point. Wow, I'm doing good, right? I'm taking you back to 17. Half of 16, I'm part of 17. This is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord. But this valley will be filled with water. Nonetheless, I added that. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle. And not just that. 18. But this, on, this is only a simple thing for the Lord. For he will make you victorious over the army of the Moabites. He will make you vic- victorious over your enemies that you're facing in your life. He will make you victorious over that mountain that looks so intimidating to you. Says, uh, it, it, you and, and I thought it kind of, isn't it funny here? It's like you will see nothing. You won't see rain. You won't see any of that. You won't see wind. But the Lord will nonetheless fill this valley with the pools of water because he works in a different way. We have to continually train our minds and our hearts to see beyond the natural and to have the spiritual vision uh, that our God is shown us to stay connected with him. Stay connected with him. God will show us. You hit a roadblock. You have a mountain. And you think, I, I, this is... This is so hard. I was talking to a friend. 
that has gone through a lot of tough things. It's like, boy, I'm literally running on empty. I say, look at you, look at you, look at you, how long you've gone. You should have been taken and dead a long time ago. Hard pressed. On every direction. But somehow, some way, you keep on standing. You keep on walking. Corinthians talk about, I'm pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You're hit on the right, on the left. Keep on moving, the Lord sustains you. You even didn't realize how strong you really were. How much you could really endure. You thought the thing that should have taken you down years ago, just like that, you could face it head on and, and, and keep on going. And as the Lord gives us the, the strength, the vision to see beyond the present mountain, the present reality, and we don't give up, He says, we will eventually come out the victorious. He says, God's, this God dream number four will continue regardless of what we see. What by that I mean by what we see naturally. And God will even go further than what you're asking for. <laughs> At this time, they had not asked for a victory. They just wanted to survive. They die of dehydration here. God says, I'm going to do more than that. And just so you know, that's very little for God. Seems impossible, but it's very little for God because no eye has seen, no ear has had, and neither has it entered into the hearts of men the plans that God has for those who love him. You haven't even conceived, you haven't even thought it. If you've been imagining it, it's smaller. If you've had the capacity to imagine it, you haven't gone far enough. I close. And I, I just feel that there's someone in here. You even came to church today, maybe smiling, everybody thinks life is just hunky-dory, everything is cool, it's going on awesome, but deep inside, you're afraid, you're discouraged. You're, about, you're literally running on empty. About to give up, about to throw the towel. And tell you the Spirit of the Lord is saying what you see today is not all that there is. The Lord will see you through. As surely as this dry valley looks, you will see neither rain or water. But the Lord will fill this dry valley with pools of water. His joy will be your strength. You shall run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. For the Lord will renew your strength. It's time to see people, to see with these eyes. And you think that was great. That's something very little for the Lord. He could change your life. In a moment's time, he can do more than you could ever do in a lifetime. Get ready to see pools of water in dry places in your life.
It's a spiritual battle. And you get the word in God's presence. Got to move from inspiration, even the challenge today, or inspire today to begin to get in God's line of participation. And lastly, that God will go beyond what you see. I believe this is why the Lord gives us tongues. Some people get all hang up with tongues. I believe it's because what God has to show you, what God has for you, you can't really, you can't possibly be able to articulate it and speak it because it's beyond your wildest dreams. That's how he gives us a spiritual language. I want us to stand right now. Thank you, Jesus. How many received something from God this morning? How many are getting inspired by God? Amen.